Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcast. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Um, I'm going to sit down today. Friday morning, I threw out my lower back. I haven't done that for years. So I'm going to sit down today. I got my Father's Day Diamondback shirt on. Aloha means hello and goodbye. That's what Aloha means. I know, the Diamondbacks are like the last place team in the National League. But just because something is old and broken down and can't play sports anymore, doesn't mean you kick them to the curb. And I'm talking about the Diamondbacks right now. I'm not talking about myself, all right? Just to make sure everybody's on the same page. I'm talking about a sports team here. Anyway. <laughs> Somebody get Susie Land off the front row, please. <laughs> She's distracting. Don't you feel the same way, Sean? I like it. You like it? Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, last week we made a bit of a big announcement. You should have got an email in your email box. If you didn't get an email in your email box, it means we don't have your information. So stop by the information booth so we can get you in on all the emails and text messages that we send out. Um, We've been talking about the God of Covenant. Uh, Two weeks ago, we introduced the covenant that you're under. This is a contract that God has made with you. It's called the New Covenant. All the other covenants led us to this moment, and this moment is what he wanted when he created Adam, this relationship of, of love and communion and unity for eternity. And so now this is that covenant And you get to be a part of it. And today, today is the ultimate part of that covenant. If you get this wrong, you get everything wrong. And the problem is most everybody gets this wrong. (laughs) And they have since the days of Paul. They got it wrong back then. It just seems way too simple. It seems like an easy answer. The second problem is people don't preach it very well. Because when you preach it well, it usually leads to abuse. In fact, I would say this. If people are not abusing this, you're not preaching it well enough. Um, To its fullest. And the same thing happened back in these days. The third problem is, without this, all your relationships will suffer greatly. You'll become hard and demanding and unforgiving, and then eventually you'll be treated in the same way. I'm talking about grace. And if you get grace wrong, you'll get God wrong. You'll get the understanding of who he is, of the Heavenly Father who loves you unconditionally. If you get grace wrong, you get God wrong. If you get grace wrong, you'll get the scriptures wrong. Because you won't be able to understand how all this came together and why it came together. That's why the study of the covenant is so pertinent because it just runs through the entire Bible. But if you get grace wrong... You'll get God wrong, you'll get this Bible wrong, and you'll have a tainted view of what we're doing here on Sunday mornings and all through the week when we come together in smaller groups and in fellowship with each other. You'll get that wrong, too. Um, John thought it was so important that when he creates his gospel, you know, you have to write sort of a thesis, like this is what this is all about. And in John 1, he writes, this is what this is all about. And he talks about the light coming into the world. 
And we get to John chapter 1, verse 14. find that right here. This is my NIV version. In New in- um, John 1.14, right? Is that what I said? The Word became flesh. Christ is the Word. And made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and full of truth. And no one had ever done that before Christ. John testified, John the Baptist testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now listen to this. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Like grace on top of grace. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who himself is God is in closest relationship to the Father, has made him known. Another thing, everything that you see in Jesus' life was a representation, a manifestation of the Father. Everything. That is the crux of the whole gospel here. He's telling you, if you see Christ, you've seen God. And out of that fullness, that understanding, we have received grace. Uh, I like to say this, grace on top of grace, with a side of grace, with extra grace. When I go to a barbecue restaurant, they'll bring me the ribs. The ribs have barbecue sauce on them. That's not enough for me. I like to dip and, and drown my, anybody else out there, like in barbecue sauce, right? I want barbecue sauce with a side of barbecue sauce. And so I have some barbecue sauce. <laughs> Does anybody not have my barbecue sauce out there? Okay, ba- okay, Edie, I need, I need, I need, a, I need a runner. You guys like, you like, like, smoky version, sweet and smoky? Um, okay. <laughs> there are options. <laughs> there were options. <laughs> a, B, or A. Okay. <laughs> you went door number one. one. <laughs> I got one more. Who else likes spicy version? Anybody like spicy? Oh, back. Sorry, you didn't get your, I didn't see you. Way back. You haven't had it before. You got to have, okay, there we go. I have, I have a line of barbecue sauces. You can go to plbarbecue.com. <laughs> That's not true, but I mean, it's, I think it sounds good, don't you? <laughs> Every, oh, hello. I'm done. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> called early retirement right now. That's what I'm talking about. No. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just too much joking around here. Um, grace with a side of grace. Um, the story of Mephibosheth, it's hard to say that name, is this great example, and I'm going to go to 2 Samuel 9 um, and read it to you. I don't know why that. Here we go. Um, Mephibosheth is this, this young man who was lame. He was crippled. And he was crippled because when David took over the throne, a typical thing that a new king would do is he would wipe out all the lineage of the old king. So there was never anybody that could come back and claim the throne later on in their life. And so 
his father Jonathan had died, his grandfather Saul had died, and Mephibosheth is there as a baby, as a child, and his um, nanny takes him and runs away in fear. And as she's running away in fear, she drops him. And when she drops him, um, his, his legs are, bro- are hurt, broken. He becomes lame in both feet. And so um, for the rest of his life, he's crippled. Um, in chapter 9, David asked of 2 Samuel, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And it's an amazing statement there because it's just usually the opposite. Is there anybody left of this lineage so I can take them out? But David has this understanding that I've come to a place where I've had so much grace of God. His favor has, has been poured into me. And Jonathan was his best friend. And so I want to show that grace to somebody else. And even though that's the lineage, even though that, that person could eventually take over, my goodness, I want to pour out on them. And so they tell him about Mephibosheth, and he says, go and get them. I'll just tell you the story. Go and get him. And, of course, he's in fear as the king is bringing him up, crippled and like he is, and he restores to him everything that he would have had as the son of a king. And he sits now at the table of David all the time, and every meal. So he's royalty now because David takes this understanding of all the goodness that God has given to him, And he said, because of that goodness, I want to extend that to somebody else. And this is sort of the story of the gospel. And this one person who fell and crippled because of fear is now being restored into a place of son, the son of a king. This sounds familiar. This is you. This is me. Sin has crippled us. We have no answer except for the grace of God. And so grace... I could go through the Bible over and over and over again. And stories you didn't think were full of grace, and I could show you why they're full of grace. And they didn't understand that until Jesus came and his fullness gave us grace upon grace. So today we're going to study the entire book of Galatians. (laughs) It seems so ridiculous that Paul would dedicate an entire book an intense book, to protect grace. He was frustrated. Trust me, he was frustrated that he had to do that. And what happened, Paul had come to these, the Galatians, who were Gentiles, and he preached the freedom in Christ. He preached grace, fullness. We received grace upon grace. They received it. They were joyful. They were happy. And then some Judaizers came in. These people came in and went, whoa, 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 time out. You have to fulfill the law first. And if you understand everything we've said, right, so far, Jesus is the second covenant or the New Testament covenant that comes against the law. Like the law has been set apart. This is the new freedom. The law proved you can't do it. So you were crippled. And Jesus came in to give grace upon grace. And so these guys came in. They said, listen, you can't be that free. They said things like, if you do that, people are going to abuse this. You've got to have control over them. You've got to preach fear. You've got to preach that you have to do this. To keep them controlled. So in order to have any type of fullness in Christ, first you have to go through all these steps. And the biggest one, according was to them, was um, being circumcised. So Paul writes an entire book of the Bible. It's my favorite book of the Bible. About protecting the concept of grace. So we're going to go through the entire book. I read a, a, a year to a couple years ago in 2019, a 31-year-old pastor 
in Florida set the, the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest sermon, 53 hours and 18 minutes. So if somebody will start the clock, <laughs> we're going to go through the book of Galatians, all right? I'm going to switch over to the NLT. You guys know the difference between a version, NIV, and a translation? A version is where, I used to say King James Version, American Standard Version, where they, the group of scholars got together and tried to go word for word. Like, this word means this, and they sort of put the sentences together. A translation is, is concept by concept. So they change, they don't use the exact words. They change the, um, the words, but this is the thought. And so um, sometimes that's why it reads a little smoother, um, because they're going thought by thought. Galatians 1, we're just going to go through every chapter. Are you ready? Verse 6. Understand the context. I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself in relationship through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning God. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than what you have welcomed, let that person be cursed. He was passionate about grace. And he knew the ramifications that if they came in and somebody turned that on them, and they no longer believed that gospel but they got into the rules and the laws. I don't know if you've ever seen churches you got in and it was like happy to see you and all of a sudden, well, here are all the rules you better follow. If you want to be a part of this family, right, we don't have a lot of, our, our highway is not very wide, right? It's a very narrow highway. And this is what it looks like and this is what you'll act like. And here are the rules and the regulations. And you came in, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden you just felt the chains begin to come upon you and the restrictions come upon you. And all of a sudden, there's a reason why churches do that, and the reason why pastors do that. Because there is control in them. The control is demanding works is always control. If you look at every, pretty much every cult, no matter where they came from, it, you'll find there's a list of rules. If you want to be a part of this thing, here are the rules, and you have to follow the rules. And so these guys are coming in, and Paul says, listen, anybody that preaches anything different than what I preach, grace, may they be cursed by God. Chapter 1, chapter 2. This is a bit better than you thought. Verse 4. He's talking about, he went back to Jerusalem and how they had to struggle through this concept, the leaders. He said, even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, who were false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. And so there's this meeting that goes on of leaders, and these groups come in and they collide. And one group is saying, listen, we got to control this. And Paul says, I got up, I fought the good fight, I defended you for the gospel that I preach to you. I'm willing to go to war with my fellow brothers and the denomination or whatever it is that got together. 
I'm willing to go to war for the freedom that's found in Jesus Christ. Grace. That's how passionate I am about this. And it doesn't matter what argument they bring up. It doesn't matter. Because if you don't get grace right, you don't get anything right. And so he's going to bat. So in verse 9, this is how far he goes. In fact, James, Peter, and John, those were guys that had been with Jesus. Paul hadn't been with Jesus. But James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift that had been given me, and they accepted Barnabas me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I've always been eager to do. In other words, you keep preaching grace and make sure we take care of the poor. Okay. Like that was your suggestion. That's, that's the right suggestion, right? It says this, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with all the Gentile believers. Like he's hanging out, having a little pulled pork with them. And, and barbecue sauce. <laughs> Gentile believers who are not circumcised. But afterwards, dun, 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 when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas, who was so close to Paul, was led astray by the hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, in front of all the others, since you are a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jews' laws, and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? He stood up in front of everybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, you could see this. Like, he's hanging out with all the Gentiles, and all of a sudden... These leaders come in. He's like, whoops, I'm going over here. I'm not going to eat with that crowd anymore. There was a seg it was segregated between those who were not circumcised and those who were circumcised. And so Peter immediately comes over to this group, and he's a hypocrite. Because he believes this, but he's over here going, I don't know about that. Right? He's a hypocrite. So Paul, in front of everybody, stands up and challenges Peter in front of everybody. The, the founding father of the church, if you will. And he takes them on saying, you say this, you believe this, but as soon as somebody shows up, you're over here. And I opposed him. That's pretty much chapter 2. <laughs> now chapter 3. I love this. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you'd seen a picture of his death on the cross. Well, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting now, after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human efforts? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain as I. He just said there, if you don't get grace, you don't get that right, you don't get anything right. Like, isn't that interesting? And, it, and I find out, I mean, I get it to an extent that you come to Jesus Christ and you're a bit of a train wreck. And you receive forgiveness, unconditional forgiveness, by saying yes 
to believing in the death on his cross and the resurrection, that he paid for your sins, all of them, past, present, and even future sins, that before the eyes of God you're now made right, but you come with all this baggage, so now you think if I just get heavy and regimenting my life, you get to a point where you begin to believe that God is pleased or unpleased according to how you deal with the rest of the stuff. Now, there's all kinds of, you know, he says this in Galatians, there's all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, you reap what you sow. If you're not doing right, it's, things are going to happen. But you cannot please God any more than that moment that you become his child. Like, there's no way. And those of you who had children know this all the time. Like, when that child is born, there's something in your heart that leaps and jumps. And, and though you might be frustrated by some of the choices they made, but that love that you had that moment never changes the rest of their life. Like, it's just deep ingrained in your heart. And it's the same way when we come to Christ, that that moment, can you imagine Father in heaven? Just his heart bursting. It says all of heaven rejoices. When a sinner repents, we come to a place of repentance, and there's that joy and, 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 and just that, that same feeling in his life that never goes away. And he may be frustrated with some of the choices you make. He may, you know, hope that you don't get what you deserve sometimes. But that love that he has for you never changes. And so he says, why do you think coming to faith in Christ was so easy, so joyous, and now for some reason you think you're being made perfect through the law? He said, you were made perfect the day you came to Christ. That's the day you were made perfect. And now you're on this journey with Heavenly Father who loves you deeply. Chapter 3, I'm going to go to verse 13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. There's the covenants, right? So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. When God spoke to Abraham with his covenant, he says, Look to the stars of the heaven and the sands of the sea. Your descendants will be that many. He wasn't just talking about the Jewish nation. He was talking about everyone that would come to faith in Christ and be a son of God that way. And so he's saying here, so when you, when you as a Gentile came to faith in Christ, you became an heir of the blessing of Abraham. Like, you're a part now of that tribe, a a child, a son, a daughter of the faith, and that you have received the blessing. Why? Why did that happen? Because Jesus took the curse that was upon you, and he took it to the cross. Because cursed is everyone that hangs in a tree. Can you imagine that? The weight of all the sin of the world was... No wonder he prayed in that garden, Father, if this could be taken away, if there's another way, let it be. But not my will, Father, but your will be done. And so he goes forward as a manifestation of the Father's love with the weight of everybody's sin, the curse of everybody on him. And he hangs there. And when he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, he's saying, Father, forgive all of them because I'm taking this upon myself. 
and he takes on the curse. And Paul is just making this case and going, you don't understand what's at stake here, right? You don't get what's at stake here. Jesus took your curse, the curse that was handed down, because you'll never obey the law fully. Chapter 4, verse 12. He gets personal, and, and he loves the Galatians. He says, You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, that's an interesting thing. I think it happens a lot, you know. This guy's not got his act together. He's not healthy. Why should I listen to everything he says? But you were tempted. Even though you, my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me and turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. That's the powerful relate. This is why he's so passionate about this, right? That's how close these people were to him. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit that you felt then? I am sure that you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me, so you pay no attention. You'll pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right, but let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were there with you right now so I could change my tone. But at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Like, I love you and you love me and we're in this together. And now you think I'm an enemy? After everything I want to be with you and after you take care of me like that, why would you now think that I wasn't speaking the truth? And he goes, I wish I could be there to, you could see my face. You ever had somebody write you an email or something like that? And you go, I wish you could see my face right now. I wish you could really know. But right now, I have to use this tone with you because that's how desperate I am and how much I love you. I've got to use this to try to convince you to not go down that pathway. Chapter 5. It's this famous verse, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and you don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision or any type of obedience to the law to make you right with God, then Christ will be, no benef will be of no benefit to you. If you don't get grace right, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Over 600. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. He's making this passion and a plea with them. In chapter 5, it says, don't, Christ set you free. That's why he was here. Then stand free and don't be slaves again 
to the law because if you want to be if you want to try that way you better obey all of them the law was there when scripture says as a teacher to teach us we can't do it on our own let's jump to verse 12 and see how passionate paul is about this i just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves yes he did go there <laughs> it's like i wish they would slip and um, hurt themselves. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> For if you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom. He goes, but you've been called to liberty, freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom. And this is the big argument that people of the law have. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See, the argument was this from a lot of the other people. I've actually heard this argument from pastors that if you preach grace too strong, if you like say to them, listen, you are, you are perfect in Christ, People will take advantage of that, and they'll do what they want to do because, like, hey, God loves me anyway. It doesn't really matter. I can repent tomorrow, or I can, you know, I, I'm good. And so they'll use that, and they'll abuse that. So you have to then bring in some type of fear, pressure, condemnation, guilt to control them so they don't use grace as a reason to go out and do anything they want to do. And Paul says this, I'm, I'm not preaching this so you have liberty to go do what you want to do. I'm preaching this because it's true. And then he says, don't, let, don't use grace <laughs> to do that as an excuse. And here's the answer. The answer is not more control. He says this, so I, let, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. This Holy Spirit that's been given to you as a gift from the Father is God if you'll listen to that spirit, if you listen to Holy Spirit in your lives, if you'll wait, if you'll stop, if you'll listen, before you make a decision, if you'll pray and ask, if you let Holy Spirit guide your lives, that's the way to keep yourself from abusing the grace you've been given. Not more of the law, not more of control. And I would say this as we raise children, right? You come to a place where you know, like our father, too, there's some discipline like that, but there comes a place where they become adults and they have to hear the voice that's been whispering to them for 18 years or 20, whatever that is. And you hope and pray that moment that that voice that you've been whispering in their ears, the Holy Spirit, that they'll listen to that and let that guide their lives. The fear and control and condemnation never produces mature believers ever mature believers are those who know the spirit's voice so well they know to stop they know to go they hear the voice so well that's a mature believer in the lord and paul says that's the answer they're trying to give you all kinds of answers this is the answer let holy spirit guide your life and it goes on about the fruit of the spirit after that the, the way you can tell the difference between that and the flesh in chapter five finally we get to chapter six last chapter He's explaining how you do this in a grace-filled environment. If somebody does, does get off, dear brothers and sisters, 
If any believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should put tons of condemnation on them. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. <laughs> I could go on. If overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person get back on the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and this way you obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> and then finally, verse 14, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, because at that cross... My interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. The book of Galatians. He says, may I boast in nothing else except grace. You've got to get this right. I would have loved to have been there at Mephibosheth's high school reunion. <laughs> he was probably voted most likely to hide in shame the rest of his life. He was probably voted most likely to live, as he said, and he called himself this, like a mangy dog. That was his view of himself. But there he is, cleaned up, dressed like royalty, Joy replaced the shameful look on his face. And they ask him, what in the world happened to you? He goes, you know what? One day, out of nowhere, the king called me to himself. And he looked on me. And he gave me favor. I had nothing. I did nothing. I had nothing to give. He just saw me in my state and decided to treat me like a son. And I stand before you today. He wanted to show me love and grace. Can you imagine at that point, somebody said to them, well, you know what, you're not quite there. Or somebody, told, somebody spoke ill about the king. He would have defended him. Like Paul defended grace. And I close on Galatians 2. 20 through 21, because if you get grace wrong, all right, you're going to get everything wrong. This is really the theme of the whole chapter, chapter 2. Can we throw that scripture up? Is it there? There we go. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'll read it. I think I have it memorized. <laughs> I, I might have missed putting that slide up. Sorry. It says, the life I lived in this body, I lived by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. And if I set across grace, I, set a, I, don't, I don't set aside grace because by grace I'm saved. And if I set aside grace, then Christ died for nothing. Um, if I get grace wrong, I get everything wrong. I live by faith in this body, in the Son of God, 
and I don't set aside grace. It's grace with the side of grace, with grace poured on top. And it's grace. And you did nothing, and you have nothing, and you could give nothing. It's nothing you can do. That's what grace means. Favor when you didn't deserve it. Love when you didn't deserve it. You could do nothing. You were helpless. And Christ died for us and gave us grace. Grace for back then, grace for today, and grace forever. And you get the opportunity of children of God, no matter where you came from, no matter what you've done, you're royalty now. You get to walk in that grace. And please don't let anybody or anything ever tell you that you're not complete in Christ, that you don't have favor with God, because you don't, whatever they want to fill in the blank with. That will set you free. <laughs> and, and Paul says, don't be enslaved again by that feeling that somehow you have to do something to now please God to be made perfect. Let me pray for us. Father, we receive all that you have for us. Jesus, we thank you for dying for us. And now we tell you, Father, that we are hopeless and helpless. And the only thing that will save us is your grace that was poured out when Jesus died for our sins. So we repent and we say thank you because that's all we can do. We are children of the Most High King. We have been given new clothes, the clothes of righteousness, of truth, of love. They now surround us. And I just want to say thank you because there's no way I could ever get to that place except to say thank you and receive it. So today we do that. In Jesus' name, amen.